We are this professionals. Is, this is a professional podcast. Yes. Breaking that and better cross on. Hello there. <laughs> Which actually did you this get is gonna be a as bit, well? Um, Doom yeah. 4K. Yes. So I've got Doom Cam. It's just a <laughs> camera. <laughs> Welcome back to the Quiet Onset podcast powered by Cinnamon. My name is Ewan and I'm joined by Lachlan and we are here to redo uh, an older episode of the show. That's right. Over the next 30 minutes, Ewan and I will be discussing our top four favorite letterbox films. That's the four movies that's on your letterbox page that you would consider your favorites. And it's also something we might I guess, update yearly on, like, when did we do the original episode? <laughs> it was episode 10. So we started oh, wow, this okay. back in January. So it must have been sometime in March or April, probably. Uh, but yeah, in 20... 2020. 2020. 20, yeah. It's I was, been I, a I while. I was going to say, we haven't done 100 episodes since January, dude. That's, that's a lot of episodes <laughs> to do in like six months. That would have been uh, crazy, no. Just a little fun episode where we just get to talk about what we consider our current favorite movies yeah there might be some overlap i know that one of your two films that we we got there because we had four hosts on at that time so uh you know you're still getting the same amount of movies covered as in that show but i guess yep. now distributed between two people uh, i know there's a repeat for you for that show but for me uh those two films have kind of shuffled out of my top four rotation and i think <laughs> this show is also going to be a testament to uh your ongoing thing of portraying me as this person who hates all movies that are not art house who doesn't watch any marvel things and just hates them and just basically wants to be sad and I think um, this is not going to end well for me because I think I definitely hammer home you, you that point. You see A twenty four and you go, yes, I want to go watch that movie. What? You see Who doesn't? Marvel Who Studios doesn't? and you're immediately walking out of the cinema asking for a refund and speaking to the manager. I am the film bro Karen in a sense. But no, uh, I think uh, without further ado, let's just jump into um, your first pick. My first pick. And again, Letterboxd film favorites and in no particular order. So yeah, of course. It doesn't matter what order it's in. These are just your four favorite. I think as film critics, as professional film reviewers, Ewan, it's hard to say that you have a favorite movie of all time because yeah, it can fluctuate. Movies are an emotional roller coaster. They're also uh, not sometimes if you're watching, I was going to say Morbius, but I realized that Morbius is an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. But it's hard to say that you have a definite favorite movie of all time. And mm -hmm. I think as someone who says, oh, yeah, I, I watch movies, I studied film, or I want to be in the film industry, everyone goes, oh, what's your favorite movie of all time? And it's like, that's a fucking hard question, right? <laughs> yeah. Ewan's is yeah. obviously Citizen Kane as an art house cinema <laughs> himself. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> but uh, these are in no particular order. Great so, film, though. I can't. I can't. Great film, though. Great. <laughs> Even I agree to that one. Okay, so number one, it's a relatively recent movie funnily enough it's not the oldest movie that's on my top four but yeah. this is from 2017 and it is the denise villeneuve blade runner 2049 ewan you've seen this movie right i have uh we've also covered this film on the show before uh if you go really back yes. in episode 33 uh we did a roll that again on the first blade runner and then this one and did like an extensive talk about the whole thing we both love Blade Runner. Uh, I think that's yeah. no secret. The original? The original and the new one. I think we both prefer the new one over the original. 
but I hold the original to a very high standard as well. Oh, 100%. To understand where my background is with Blade Runner, I found the Alien movies and I fell in love with uh, Ridley Scott's vision. Mm -hmm. And I just went down the rabbit hole of watching his movies and I came across Blade Runner. And uh, that was like, I remember it was probably 2014 that I watched the original Blade Runner. I yeah. was in high school and I had no access to money. So I learned what torrenting was and I like streamed what? it. So I streamed What's a that? really low resolution version of Blade Runner. And it wasn't until I got a 4K of it that I was like, this is fucking insane. Anyway. <laughs> the Steelbook arc had started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple years later when... <laughs> they announced that they're doing a sequel. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. So yeah. when it came out, it was one of those movies that I, I was able to go see in cinema. And mm. I just, I was like, wow, this is an awesome cinematic masterpiece. And it was also my yeah. introduction to another great director, Denise Villeneuve. So mm -hmm. I found that as we know on this podcast, we're a very visually biased group of people. Yeah. That as soon That's as something true. just looks visually stunning, we've all just said, yeah, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, whatever you want to rate it at, uh, we will max that shit out. So for me, it was a excellent sci-fi film. It had a wicked visual palette on it in terms of use of color, in terms of the use, uh, obviously cinematography. As well. I also think it was mm -hmm. the film that introduced me to uh, Roger Deakins as well. And I went down the right. Roger Deakins rabbit hole. So I went yeah. down all these rabbit holes with these directors and I found these really awesome movies. But for me, I would always say that Blade Runner 2049 is the best sequel to a film that they tried to revamp. I will always mm -hmm. stand by that. There are better sequels out there. I will say that, that there was a success of the first movie and then a couple years later they release it. But we're talking 20 years almost between the original and the sequel. So it was wicked to have, again, possibly what I consider like my favorite sequel to a film to be yeah. inspired by the cinematography, the incredible use of CGI uh, models. It was one of those movies in their world that I just went straight into how did they make this? So I found the excellent performances from Ryan Gosling, Ana Diarmez, Jared Leto, of all people. It's like, ooh, Jared Leto's <laughs> performances can be hit or miss, but I still like yeah. it. And an awesome reintroduction of a character with uh, Deckard coming back, uh, played by Harrison Ford in the original mm. Blade Runner. Again, it was a, it, like he doesn't come into the movie until about halfway through, and it's a wicked reintroduction of the character. So, yeah. Uh, do you, did you have you seen. Blade Runner 2049, I've already asked you that, sorry. Um, yeah, no, no, I mean, I do have, a, I, I think I have something that I, I never told you about my first Blade Runner 2049 experience. I've always had, like, kind of the DVD sitting around. I think I bought it at a flea market when I was quite young because I, I knew my, my parents or my mom always kind of talked about it, that being one of her favorite films. Yeah. Uh, but I never got to watch it, and then I only ever watched it right before the new film came out um, like sometime in 2017 i was a big fan of it uh, i kind of put it off as like a chore before i it switched kind of and now like the bigger films become more of a chore and the other stuff is more of a treat but uh i went to a midnight screening because there's not a lot of showings in switzerland or i went to germany to go see it uh, where you could uh, just see a film not dubbed, uh, just subbed in the original language. And this was a midnight premiere for that film in English. 
So I had to go, but uh, I had a really long day that day. And the first time yeah. I saw 2049, I fell asleep watching it about like halfway in and <sighs> woke up uh, towards the end. And Look, I don't I, blame yeah. you, mainly due to the fact that there are definitely different moods you have to be in to watch certain movies. Like I'm not going to mm -hmm. go watch a depressing film when I'm super sad, right? That's just, I'm going to go watch a feel happy yeah. movie like Marley and me. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so happy. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. uh, so like if you're super tired, like it's a fucking, it's a three hour film and it definitely yeah. can drag for people who, who aren't super engaged with it. Like I've watched this movie with the sound off at my mate's house before. Um, but also, I feel like this show, this one, 4K. You do have the 4K version. Don't you also have something on the wall that is every frame from Blade Runner? Is oh, that... yeah, I do actually. Hang on. Yeah, second. yeah, show that to the people. My girlfriend got this for me for uh, my birthday. An artist that got it. Pretty dope. Yeah, incredible every, present. Every frame. I've got this and um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Those are the two that mm. I've got every frame in like a an iris it's pretty dope it's a great aesthetic i've got to put this back on the wall now it's quite embarrassing well i guess i'll get into my first favorite which is already kind of cheating because it's not just one film it's a whole trilogy and it kind of cycles in and out of it so i'll just Wait, what, pick trilogies as well? no well no 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 i'm picking i'm picking one for them okay because I, I i there's an argument like why that's currently my favorite uh but but i'm talking about my favorite trilogy and that is the before trilogy from Richard Linklater, um, which if you haven't seen it yet, I, I kind of don't want to say the whole premise of where the whole trilogy goes. So if you haven't seen it, pause this, go, go see it. It's really worth your time. And spoilers, I guess, for all the movies we kind of talk about here. Some of the more obscure ones I can talk a bit more loosely about. So, so I, I'm not ruining anyone's experience. But before uh, sunrise, before sunset and before midnight, hold a really special place in my heart because it's it's kind of my go-to comfort film. Uh, I could just pop them on whenever with whomever and I'll have a good time. We'll have some good conversations. And I think it also nails that thing of uh, having, obviously, like all the rom-coms, have in, an aspect of idealizing a partner. But I think this movie also tackles that idealization and um, how fleeting like encounters can be sometimes or uh, how devastating they can be if they last that it's not all that great and that whole trilogy i think encapsulates that so well and i connected with it uh the, the time in my life that i could never kind of let loose of it it's also beautifully shot it's set the first one in vienna the second one in paris and the third one on the greece countryside yeah what else can i say it's my favorite trilogy of all time yeah, currently, I'd probably say uh, the first one is uh, my favorite because uh, it kind of always goes like this whenever I start the trilogy. The one that I'm ending on is my favorite at that at that moment, and I haven't finished the rest of the trilogy. I'm currently stuck on Before Sunrise. So it's like always in a stage. It's always like, like you said, like movies are very emotional and they change all the time. That's a perfect example here. It literally changes uh, depending on which one I've seen, I guess, the latest. As I said beforehand, it's movies are such a hard thing to say what's your favorite because it's an emotional yeah. attachment that you have. Like you watched a certain movie when something was happening in your life and you immediately associate that movie with something like 
I didn't win the lottery and then I went and saw Morbius. So I can't watch Morbius now because I associate it with not winning. <laughs> yeah, I guess in the same way, vein from that Sony-verse, I think a movie that's similar to me in that way is is Venom, the first Venom movie that, Venom. I, that we have an attachment to. Uh, we got drunk together and went and watched Venom at the cinema. Yeah, and Don't. then we did it again in a drunk cast that is now publicly available for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. We'll talk a bit more about like, like that, I guess, in that I like show. The plug. So. Yeah, go check that out. Uh, we won't go into it uh, any further than that. But that's like a connection that I have with Lachlan through that film. And now that film is like more important, outweighed, like more than for other people. It's just a slugfest, you know, and and, and a, a Tom Hardy uh, eating lobsters, I guess. But uh, for, for us, it's a bit more than that. So, yeah, it's very subjective. Yeah, you've seen the before films, right? Was that something... If you haven't, I definitely need to sit you down and, uh, you know, we can, uh, <laughs> I was about to say we can cuddle up, but <laughs> I don't snuggle know up and watch it together. Tell you this. Oh, uh, not again. Uh, but None of my films on my list. Have not seen the Before Trilogy. Yeah. Funnily enough, the only uh, Richard Link later film that i've seen is school of rock oh and boyhood I'm, I'm a big fan of link later although uh yeah recently i haven't really connected with one of his uh, like new films like the as deeply as with maybe boyhood or the before trilogy but um another side note here uh these films are all filmed with nine years apart uh in from 1995 2004 2013 notice a pattern it's 2022 another one it's it's perfectly ended in the last film where we don't really need a new one, uh, but it's also the kind of the spirit of this whole thing that like the continuation that there's enough depth there to to go further. So I, I think it wouldn't like besmudge the, the the legacy of this, but I like to say that I have a favorite trilogy and it's before trilogy. So uh, I wouldn't mind if they if they cap it here. Let's move on to to your next uh favorite so my number two 2017 was my last one and there's mm -hmm. movies on here on my top four that are newer than 2017 this is one of them i watched this one this year it's called after yang it's directed by koganada uh mm -hmm. which is like beyonce it's just koganada that's all it is it's just a one name <laughs> director right. so you know it's going to be good so there's another movie that's on here and I think I should do that one first before I do After Yang because it's oh, yeah. an easier way to explain After Yang. So I'm going to mm -hmm. switch this. I'm actually going to do Drive first. I'm going to do Drive right. first. So okay. Drive, I'm going to do this one before I do After Yang because it's easier to explain. Yeah. Drive is from 2011. It is a uh, Nicholas Winding Ren film. Nicholas Winding Refn? Refn, I think. Uh, he is the director and it stars Ryan Gosling. It's basically like the film that everyone goes, oh, that's the Ryan Gosling film before the Barbie film comes out, obviously, because everyone's then going to associate him in the Barbie film as Ken. So the other reason I'm going to do this one first is that out of the four films that I did the top 10 or the top favorite films last time with, this and Blade Runner were both on there, I believe. Yeah, so yeah both on your top four. It's also yeah. got Ryan Gosling in it. Like, I also had Ryan Gosling in 2049. So I should get rid of all of the Ryan Gosling movies first before we move on because I'm kind of biased towards it. Ryan Gosling is <laughs> You're going to love my... Barbie. <sighs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm so keen for Barbie. So, yeah, me too. It looks dope. <laughs> Ryan... Yeah, Ryan, I almost just called Ryan Gosling's Drive and I realize it's not Ryan Gosling. It's like Tim Burton's <laughs> The Nightmare Before Christmas. So Drive, uh, for me is the movie that pretty much got me wanting to do 
films. So mm. mm-hmm. I remember in like 2013 when I was in like high school, same as like uh, the original Blade because I was going on that binge of just movies I wanted to watch because I got into this thing where I wanted to watch movies all of a sudden when I was in high school, I found Drive. And I heard about Drive, but I, I, never, I didn't know anything about it. And that's the best thing about Drive. If you don't know anything about it and you watch it, it is one of the best cinematic experiences ever. Yeah. I watched it, and I just basically went, I want to make movies. So pretty much, that's when I went on the binge of watching more movies, discovering the movies that I liked, and this was one of those ones. So the incredible use of... The neon color, which something I learned that the director is colorblind. So having color Mm. is like really cool to have from a colorblind director. Killer story, killer soundtrack, awesome car, uh, which, you know, young teenage (laughs) boy car movies are the fucking best. As I said, killer soundtrack. I wanted to note that I will drive home late at night and Mm -hmm. I have like a driving playlist and it's like 400 songs long and this song uh, a real hero will come on and i will just let's wind down wind wind down the window i said ryan down the window wind down the window <laughs> i got ryan on my mouth bro <laughs> i will wind down the window and i'll just uh, when i had hair uh breeze in the hair you know late night uh-huh. lights just coming over the car real human being i'm just like oh so mm-hmm. for me, it basically just made me love what a film can do because you're watching this film and then it's a love story and then all of a sudden it's a it's something else. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm a sucker for love stories like that. Then it just twists and changes and it just becomes this wicked story. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that it was Oscar Isaac in that film because yeah. I watched uh, X Machina and from I was him. like, I know this dude. And then... Mm-hmm. I just couldn't picture him with the beard. And then I remember I rewatched Drive and I was like, it's him in Ex Machina. So yeah, yeah, for me, Drive was one of those moments where one of those films that just made me go, yes, I love what they can do. I want to just do everything about movies. And that's what made me fall in love with cinema. Nah, it started that's your drive. drive. Started my drive. Gave me a drive. It started your drive. Yeah, I, I kicked out my uh, movie that had Drive in the title uh, last time. Um, my, my two films, <laughs> no, that would have been too recent. That movie wasn't even out yet. I had Baby Driver in here as kind of my comfort movie that I can like say I definitely like rated higher than the quality of the film itself. But again, it doesn't really matter. It's just really like the quintessential movie experience for me. I love Which those needle really drops and like all the. <laughs> What? To What's put the, the quality of the entertainment no. above the, oh my uh, God. the, experience? the artistic value. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. You make me sound like, okay, I was about to say you make me sound like someone who has like spreadsheets about all of this stuff, which I literally have. So I, I get, I, yeah. I, I'm digging my own hole here, but um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I love Baby Driver still. It's kind of become um, my uh, thing. It's, it's not one of my top four picks right now, but just, I guess, an, a, an honorable discharge out of my top four for Baby Driver. I watch it pretty much yearly, usually on my birthday, as kind of like a reoccurring thing. The other film I talked about uh, in 2020 when we uh, last did this favorites list was um, Schindler's List, which was my pick for, I guess, the the sad war uh, film that kind of has to be in here. 
um, <laughs> honorable mentions Wait, go to, to oh, there has to be a war film in my I didn't list, realize there I had think. to be a war film. No, because there's a lot of stories if you go back in the show, I think we hint towards it or talk about it a bit, but uh, there's, there's a story with, with the script of Schindler's List. It takes too long to describe that story. It, it is a very long story, and uh, essentially I, I uh, have always kind of enjoyed war films, um, but like not the ones that focus on the action like yeah that army stuff but more on the dread and misery of it all and i think uh my next pick is one that captures that dread better than any other film i'd say uh it's come and see from 1985 a russian film um about the uh invasion of um belarus in the 1940s by the nazis and kind of the misery that they've caused uh, from the perspective of, I think, a 14-year-old child. I got to say, it's probably the best child performance I I've ever seen. Uh, I think I, I would definitely put that, him on the highest pedestal. Uh, his, his scene partner, um, the, the girl in the film, is equally as amazing. Um, it grabs you the whole way through and uh, essentially does this very natural feeling escalation of the whole plot that you don't even notice when it's really unwinding and, and winding up. And then like sometimes even though I've seen the film, it really hits me quick, although it's like setting up for something, but still it feels unexpected because it's so... It's so rough and so harsh that you kind of want to shield yourself from experiencing it. And when a movie can do that to me, especially when it can like emotionally engage me like that deeply, uh, it, it's it's definitely going to be one of my favorites because I kind of like to experience that misery along, not just to be like miserable in, in a way that like captures it for the rest of time to not be forgotten. So it's like also a historic film in a sense. I don't think the movie needs a lot of praise. I think it's, it leads more people to see it, but it's currently on Letterboxd, the second highest film, a second highest rated film of all time. So I, I guess I'm not alone uh, with uh, my love for the film. In the same way, I think a Studio Ghibli film is also a war film set in Japan. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies would kind of be the interchangeable thing here where we'll kind of swap it for that one. I'm going to move on to After Yang. Koganaga, mm -hmm. we already said this Beyonce joke, stars uh, Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith. And the reason I've done this, I put this third, is it was the same feeling I got watching this as when I watched Drive. Mm. So that's why I've said I want to do this second because this only yeah. came out last year and I only saw it this year. I got the same feeling that I had when I watched Drive with this. I don't know what it was. Again, I like sci-fi. I really do think you can get some really cool thoughts with sci-fi at least thought-provoking ideas uh yeah with sci-fi especially with the use of artificial intelligence what is considered life and that that's a really cool concept in on itself but to then consider the memories of their family's little ai it, it becomes this really massive large-scale idea on a really yeah. small scale so Oh, yeah. I love sci-fi. I know this film only came out this year, but it was just something that I just fell in love and connected with instantly. So mm -hmm. again, th there's a chance that next week this won't be on my top four. It could leave. My honeymoon phase yeah. of this film could literally end since I've only seen it recently. And what comes and I after did watch Yang. it a second time. Yeah. We don't know what comes after Yang. So for me, it's going to stay on my top four. I'm gonna take I'm gonna talk mm. about it on here today because I found the 
I guess the, the whole presentation of the film to be quite well executed. So mm-hmm. uh, I've never seen a Koganaga film. You've seen a Koganaga film before, correct? Yeah. Columbus. And after, and... yeah. And after that, I kind of went on a binge to watch all of his video essays because he comes from, I think, a, a journalistic or a, a academic point yep. for film. So it's super interesting. He also did like a a montage for before uh, the Before trilogy. So like I immediately fell in love with that man. I've seen a bit of his stuff and it's equally as good everywhere. I think uh, this is only his second or third feature. Like mm. you, I'm super keen for... Uh, n- uh, the next thing, and this was also one of my favorite films of of this year so far. That was uh after Yang, and and again, I want to go on another one of those rabbit hole binges um of Kokonaga's um filmography. Let's uh move on to a film from uh not this year, but from uh seventy years ago, uh from nineteen fifty two. It's man, you're really Ikiru. not helping out your case here. Are I you? am not. <laughs> this is terrible. Jeez. Yeah, I'm a movie snob, I guess. But these are great films that not a lot of people see. So uh, this is my favorite Akira Kurosawa film. It's uh, Ikiru, uh, which translates to To Live. Uh, this is really what that movie essentially captures. It's about um, a, a worker's life towards the end of his life. He uh, starts to realize uh, what his life has meant or how he has spent his time. Has he wasted it? Has it added up to anything of substance? And can he break free out of uh, the chains that have kind of been put onto him um, by the structure that he lives in? Will it appreciate him for the person he was when he's gone? And it's kind of like big themes. I mean, if you name your movie to live then uh you better have something to show for and it definitely has uh this is one image that is sometimes the movie poster for it with him on the swing thinking about that makes me emotional and almost makes me tear up because the movie comes to like a a slow halt for a moment uh, in that scene it is so engaging so emotional and and saying so much that uh yeah, I, I just I just love it. Go give it a try. It's also a very well shot film. All Kurosawa films are super well shot. It might be something um, for the Criterion subscribers. It's probably on the Criterion channel. Last film. Last film. It came out this year. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the Daniels. Uh, everything, <laughs> yes. everywhere, all at once. Now, I want to say uh, out of the four films that I got to see, uh, all got to talk about today. I only saw mm-hmm. two of them in cinema, and this is one of them. The other two, I yeah. uh, watched them at home, either on a computer or more recently after Yang on my lovely uh, state-of-the-art Dolby Atmos Dolby Vision enabled TV and soundbar system. Not flexing. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> no, I'm not sponsored by Dolby at all, but I just want to flex that I've got a Dolby TV and a Dolby soundbar. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So everything, everywhere, all at once was just one of those movies that I went to the cinema and I went, fuck yeah, this is a bit of everything. (laughs) It's comedy done well. It's action done well. It's storytelling done well. It's got a layer after layer after layer after layer of depth and things that you could just pull apart. And also, you don't even need that. You can just watch the movie as it is and it is a great movie no matter what. And that's what's good about certain films Some of them have heaps of meaning that you can dissect. Some of them have heaps of meaning that you have to dissect. And some of them have heaps of meaning. But even if you don't want to worry about that, you can just watch the movie and it's sweet as. So everything everywhere all at once is 
Moodweather Daniels, I think that a great way of explaining it is it's definitely a, a, an internet film because mm-hmm. the Daniels have done music videos and very famously the Turn Down For What music video. Yeah. They know what the internet is and they must have grown up in the age of the internet and for myself and for you. And I think the internet is just another part of us and it's a great way of feeling that you've just got a lot of information thrown at you and this is exactly what Mm -hmm. that is it's basically just throwing a whole bunch of shit at you and you just got to catch whatever you can and i guess for me the reason i liked it is i really want less internet in my life and right i guess that's one thing that this film really latched me onto it's just it's just so much and i guess part of it is having everything on a fucking bagel but it's (laughs) for me it was just something it was one of those films that just captured the the moment and the essence of what I was feeling again to get back onto the same thing we had a chat about earlier at the start. It's a yeah. moment in your life that a movie can hook onto, and that's exactly what this film was. It just feels like mm-hmm. it came at the right time for anyone who's watching it because it's blowing up right now. But everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, just became uh, this film that I fell in love with because it came to me at the right time. So, yeah, I don't really have a lot of notes on everything, everywhere, all at once because it only came out recently, but it's one of those films mm-hmm. that uh, I haven't been able to go watch go back and watch uh so it's one of the only right. films on here that i've only watched once single time everything else i've seen twice after yeah, i saw twice but everything else i've seen yeah bazillions of times uh mm-hmm. it does come out on a 4k dvd it comes out in a week's time there's nothing that's gonna hold me back from buying that DVD. <laughs> i'm totally buying that dvd yeah no raccoon or sausage fingers are gonna hold you back from ordering that i go buy steelbook so as can buy soon it. as you can yeah uh, yeah. I don't think there's a steel book, unfortunately, but I'm going to hunt. Oh, down. Okay. I'm going to hunt. I'm going to hunt down a steel book for everything everywhere all at once. Uh, you're a big fan of those. Steel I, uh, books, well, yeah. I don't know, man. I've got a couple. No, steel books no, here. no, 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 You know, <laughs> I've got a pile. So I haven't moved these discs for weeks. I don't know. Yeah. We've recorded the, the 100th episode, but I've just got a pile now and I've just added another one and these are not going to leave. It basically just is going to keep being stacked up and stacked up. Yeah. I mean, you got to be ready for Dune Cam at all times. You cannot not be ready. I mean, exactly. See? Dune 4K Steelbook. Dune. <laughs> but yeah, that's Steelbook. that. Uh, I, I also really love everything everywhere all at once. It's such a a high energy film that, that like you said, there's no, there's no depth that you need for it. Uh, for me, I guess I always, if, if you've watched some of our reviews, you tend to notice that like even in our most recent one in four, I try to search for the political meaning between like the benevolence of gods. Yeah, it might be a bit of a reach sometimes. I, I do always search for those. Uh, and I, I guess I try to just enjoy movies um, by themselves. I don't know if that's the curse of a film critic because you kind of want to say something of, of substance yourself. So you're searching for it in the medium that you're talking about. Otherwise, it's just kind of this empty blabber of nothing that you participate in. Maybe that's part of it, but uh, but no, I, I, I do like that. But I think a, a really simple movie is um, my next one, and that is uh, and the final one for today, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a little uh, French film, um, really limited in the scope of the whole story with a, a very small cast, just a couple of people, mainly on like a an island i think and it's just about i, I just noticed that i got two romance films in here <laughs> but i guess it's also more of a drama overall 
and not just a pure uh, romance. Yeah. No, I can't. No, it's definitely a romance. I think it's also one of the most uh, visually stunning films I've ever seen. The way it's shot. It also uses very minimal music. There's like no music, like no, no soundtrack, no score really in it for pretty much a whole runtime other than like when they are actually like at the end in that uh orchestra uh, and they're just listening to it like the characters themselves speaking of like the mediums in 4k this was shot in 8k and downscaled to 4k so i i, I honestly cannot wait until we get like some form of of 8k disc and blu-ray play and whatever to then watch that movie maybe in like the highest possible form because it, it is it is a very stunning film the way it's shot the way it looks and it, it tells this beautiful remote little romance story about uh love and longing and stuff like that it also gets i guess a bit sad which is the common thing in all of my favorite films like i kind of do like to uh Cry. emotionally engaged in a way where I, I, I slope towards the side of like yeah, you make and me Mike's sad crying. and I love it I do love crying but I, I mean I'm also an easy crier so I guess it's like you know it's not that hard to get an emotional response out of me but yeah that's that I mean you saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire as well what, what do you think about the film I think it's an excellent film it's the only one that I can actually comment on uh, I yeah, gave it I'm sorry. Uh, four and a half flames out of five on Lizard <laughs> uh, yes the flames and i got i'm not gonna lie it got an extra extra half, half a flame because of the emojis yeah. were changed so i'll give it that <laughs> the box you've done a great job on keeping me engaged yes. uh the the film is uh -huh. excellent i have to agree i i, I also want to state that i do watch international films because i realize you and you have three international films i have no u.s films what, technically in, yeah, yeah to 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 say that obviously like international films as in what the oscars yeah. would consider international films. Well, i guess the before I, films I would be films u.s in, films in, you know but this not yeah. set i got no films that are set in the u.s so for me i just want to list a bunch of international films that i've watched parasite yeah, it's proving something um yeah yeah that's about it guys uh, so <laughs> <laughs> i watched it dubbed uh, as well not subbed <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? i'm not no, really i've got the, I've got the 4k parasite disc down there i'm not gonna go get it yeah out. you got actually, crazy we've seen it before actually no 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 wait, 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 wait. I, actually i have to show this because this is kind of embarrassing i've got the parasite <laughs> blu-ray parasite uh -huh. black and white blu-ray and the parasite 4k uh, he does his, his watches has multiple foreign films. It just happens to be all. The I watch multiple foreign films, but they're all the same <laughs> version of the. They're all the same film, but it's just no. One is in black and white. Film. It's greatly different. Um, no, I've got. Okay, I've got, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it. Okay. Yeah. Honorable mention. Does Logan count? Logan's not an MCU movie. <laughs> He's Australian. So. It's an anime. Does it count? Princess Mononoke is a great pick. I, I love you for Does that. that it's kind of that's missing. That, that's why I wanted to mention Grave of the Fireflies. I think Studio Ghibli is definitely missing from this list. And it was missing from the last thing as well. But uh, we really hold it in, in, in high regard. That whole like studio. And especially Princess Mononoke. Would have been something that I think could have been on uh, either of our lists. I do. I told you. Look, look I've got international films. They're Russian, right? <laughs> it's Hans Gruber. He's okay, definitely no, German, kidding, probably. Kidding. There's an international yeah. film for you. Cold guys. War. Yeah, Polish. Pawlowski. Right? Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want a classic? That's the good, the bad. The what is that? Classic? 
<laughs> Why do you own that? Wait, this is just turned into Lachlan showing off his DVD We should bit... move on. Well, the thing is, uh, the purpose of the show today was that people get to know us a bit more and maybe uh, get to know our film taste, which uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm super happy about it with what i've selected because it's it's definitely skewing in one direction but yeah i mean people get to know you a bit more if you show off your dvds as well that you kind of they kind of know what you own um i don't have mine here but i just basically grab whatever looks out. interesting on a flea market for a while so that's kind of how i got into film i guess i haven't really touched on that like uh what because it's for you it's drive and more recently after yang and for me, it was initially, I think, Schindler's List where I really noticed that for the first time. That's why that's kind of an integral movie uh, for me. To sum up, um, what have we learned today? I love to cry, love war films, <laughs> uh, films about love. Lachlan loves those a bit more lo-fi, hi-fi films with not like too big of, uh, like, of stakes, you know, where it's kind of grounded and you can have those themes in it. I, I definitely would generalize it like that. I uh, definitely connect with those. And I don't like international films. <laughs> if it hasn't got Ryan Gosling in it, fucking get rid of it. If it's in black and white, Ewan will like it. But yeah, I think I think that's that. On the topic of Ryan Gosling, um, early next week we'll have our episode out for The Grey Man, uh, which uh, Lachlan will watch because Ryan Gosling's in it. Hey, it's got they Chris got Evans him. in it. No? Oh, shit. Uh, yes, Ryan Gosling. It's it's an Better MCU but. movie. Yeah, you and won't watch it because it's 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 one Kevin Bacon <laughs> away from an MCU movie. <laughs> what what is that? What, what's one Kevin Bacon? You don't know the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Oh, I gosh. do not. No. No, we don't. We don't have enough time to talk about it during the recording. Right. So okay. I can explain to you afterwards. Um. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you feel like you know us a little bit better. And uh, if you do, if you don't, uh, regardless, um, there'll be more content on this page. So uh, go on, head on down and subscribe and maybe share uh, your letterbox top four in the comments below. And uh, we'll be back with some reviews uh, soon and a new episode every week on Monday. Thank you for tuning in and uh, see you soon. Do my blue light glasses make me look like a dick? No, more than usually. Okay, fuck you, man. I'm stopping the recording. I don't want. To, I don't want to talk about this anymore. All right, I'm stopping the recording.